This is the Frey and Friends podcast, and I am your host, Elliot Frey. Inspired by the song, The Men That Drive Me Places by Ben Rector, the Frey and Friends podcast exists to create a forum for others to share their stories. Thanks for tuning in. Episode 11, my interview with my friend Chris Connolly. Hello, Chris. Thanks for having me down here. Elliot, great to see you. Nice to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you as well. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, I don't know if you know this. This is the first traveling podcast we've recorded. So most of these have been uh, pretty janky out of my own living room. But now we're here sitting in a conference room at the Iowa Event Center. Appreciate you coming on site. It's great. It's a big place. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Well, I've been excited to do this interview Uh, I think a lot of folks are, as you and I were just talking, getting ready for this today, I think a lot of folks are going to recognize your voice and some of them are going to say, where do I know that voice from? Where do I know that voice from? And the reality is for the audience, uh, Chris is well versed in this. He's good at these things. He is on the radio often talking about his role as the general manager here at the Iowa Event Center in downtown Des Moines. And so uh, I'm excited to get a little bit of your take on a whole plethora of topics today. I think a big one that a lot of folks are going to be looking forward to is what in the world your year has looked like. So we'll dive into that, but maybe even before we do that, Chris, for those that have not met you, don't know uh, who you are, would you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be the general manager of the Iowa Event Center for 10 years now. You know, I moved to Des Moines in March of 2011. Um, It's been a crazy ride. I mean, I'm one person that's been with the same company actually before I graduated college. So, yeah, and then while in school, um, I was lucky enough to get an internship down at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Uh, most would know the Sixers and Philadelphia Flyers and Villanova basketball. And just about any event imaginable happened um, at the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. It was still a newer building when I got my internship then, so yeah. I'm getting a little older. Yeah. <laughs> but, but great facility, great opportunity for me. Again, I was still finishing off my senior year in college, and what a great opportunity to be at the Wells Fargo Center. And Really, I learned and I job shadowed and along with my internship, I work part time and it's just, it's something that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, facility management, you know, it talks about sports and, and, and concerts and just about anything. And it's like, a, that all excites me. I love athletics. I love live music and I had a great opportunity. And again, I've been fortunate enough to be with one company the entire time. So Spectre based out of, of Philadelphia, and, uh, you know, in my career, I just slowly worked my way up. I hustled. I wanted to be there. Um, I didn't take anything for granted. I worked hard. It's a lot of hours, a lot of weekends, a lot of holidays. And, um, yeah, I just kind of moved on up and, and just felt really fortunate to get that break while I was still in school. Absolutely. Super cool. And now you're here in Des Moines, yep. uh, which is where you and I met. And I'm curious if you have any recollection of how in the world we met. That was a while ago now, but... I do. It's funny, too, because I do a lot of these and I meet a lot of people. But I, but I do remember meeting you at uh, internship orientation at Wells Fargo Arena. And I believe, if I'm correct, Wells Fargo sponsored it. My good friend Tony Dickinson put it on that day and he asked me to speak to the group. And, you know, that's that's where we met, I think, yeah. I think after after one of those and after a tour of the building. But yeah. Yeah, you got it. And, and what I remember of that, Chris, is we showed up and it, it was it was part of a recruiting pitch kind of through the through the program at, at principal. And what I remember was you gave the most, uh, I, I don't even, de- bold tour of our arena here yeah. in the city and basically told us why this thing matters. And, and I just remember it standing out so much to me and thinking, wow, this guy knows his stuff. This is really impressive. And he has big plans for the future, which is really cool. And, and ever since then, I uh, have appreciated you extending your time to grab lunch every here and there, maybe a happy hour at, at Carl's place or something <laughs> like that every now and then. So yep. it's been great to get to know you better and understand a little bit more about your world. Uh, I've got a few rapid fire questions for sure. you for the audience to get to know you, and then we'll jump into some stuff. But Favorite event, Chris, because you, you've seen a lot of them. You just listed off all the types of things you've probably been exposed to in terms of sporting events, concerts. What's yep. the favorite event you've ever attended? You know, I think they're in different categories. I think when you talk about, and I get asked this all the time, favorite concert. 
And, uh, man, I've been fortunate enough to work in Philly. I was up in London, Ontario, and Canada, and in Roanoke, Virginia, and now Des Moines. And, like, all venues were good in terms of attracting live entertainment. So when you talk concerts and live music, the best show that I can probably say I've ever seen was U2. Oh, yeah. Played a doubleheader back-to-back at the Wells Fargo Center back when I was still working there, and I was the event manager. And I was fortunate enough that the first night of it, we don't do a financial settlement until the second show, okay. the second night. So I basically had the opportunity to watch the whole show live from the floor, and uh, they're amazing. The sound, the lights, the vocals, everything. So I would put that up towards the top in terms of music. Um, when it comes to another event, I'd, I'd have to say this, and it's it's probably predictable, but we hosted NCAA men's basketball first and second round totally for the very first time in Des Moines in 2016 it just there was so much work and preparation and failures in terms of not getting bids and then you know that was our first one and yeah man we for those that remember we drew like an amazing draw you know you had you had Indiana and Kentucky play each other in the second round which was equivalent to a regional final in terms of media that showed up uh you had UConn um was Kansas in town? I think it was Kansas. It was, it was a Kansas, bunch of blue bloods. That's what I Indiana, but it was amazing, and I just there's so much pride there, and like so many people part of it. And again, like we had some failed attempts, and we kept going at it, and um, you know we finally got it there. And I just you know I remember this like it was yesterday that we had a TV production meeting um, the practice day, the day before the tournament started, and you had Bill Raftery <laughs> and Jim Nance and. Um, Grand Hill on the floor, right? And they're looking around and they're like, man, you guys have a really sharp facility. Like, it's funny because the bar was so low. Like, even Calipari made the comment. He didn't want to come to Des Moines. They felt like they drew the short end of the stick. And um, it was fantastic. It it really was. And just, you're there with those guys. Like, that, that is the number one broadcasting crew in our building on the floor at Wells Fargo Arena before the tournament starts, complimenting us on the arena and the hospitality and that goes way more than just a venue that gets into the convention visitors bureau with greg edwards and his team totally the partnership and you know you knew when you came to des moines that day that the nca tournament was going on and basically there's a red carpet rolled from downtown right to the arena so i I think when i look back that's really really special um in terms of unique events that i would kind of throw out there that's kind of cool and a lot of people don't know this but when I was still working in Philly as an, an event manager, we hosted the X Games in back-to-back summers. Oh, cool. And that was a combination of stuff inside and outside in the parking lot. And I would say that was really neat and a learning experience and just something that's not really something I'm into. But, like, after you watch it, man, wow. you talk about an appreciation for those guys. But I'd say those three things, you 2 NCAA basketball for the first time in Des Moines. Yeah. And then the X Games. Super cool. And I love how you categorize that because me as just a a fan or someone who takes in these types of events, I wouldn't think of it that way. I just think of an event. Uh, Interesting stuff. So I have to say, I've talked with my dad before and asked him a similar question. And I don't want to misspeak. I'm like 99% sure he saw you two at Jack Trice Stadium. Would that be sweet or what? <laughs> it's it's a- absolutely amazing. I, I think there's only a couple bands that we probably can't get here in Des Moines. U2 is probably up there. Yep. That hurts a little bit, but it's still good to, to know that you've seen them. And just and I can't say enough about that show. It's just every, everything was perfect. That's awesome. I yeah. love it. Uh, caffeine of choice, Chris. You got a lot of hours to put in. You're working hard. You know, it's I take a lot of heat for this. I don't drink a lot of soda, but I do drink an eight ounce can of Red Bull every single morning. Love I it. don't drink coffee. It is Red Bull, and I know my, if my doctor listens to this, he'll he'll give me crap about it. But it is Red Bull. It's your wake up call. I love yep. it. Uh, okay, you're you've been in Des Moines for you said almost ten years now. We're at ten years, which Just is over. crazy to think about. Yep. Uh, you got to have a favorite place to eat food and a favorite place to belly up and have a drink. Yeah, I mean, the drink part's easy and it's predictable. And any of my friends that would listen to this, it is Carl's Place. It's a local little bar right around the corner from where I live. And it's, you talk about just good people. You know, I didn't know anybody. And the first time I walked in there, I felt like I knew everybody right away. What game do you want on? What can I do? And just a cool little, yeah. it's called a dive bar. But it's like, man, I, I consider a lot of those people that work there my friends. And it's just a neat place. If you haven't been there, you got to go check it out. Carl's place at 17th and Woodland. As far as food goes, I mean, there's, I probably, I don't know that there's one above the other, but man, we're so fortunate in Des Moines with some of the cool places. Uh, Star Bar is one of my favorite, um, a little higher end. I love Centro. I don't, yeah. I can't say I've ever had a bad meal there. Um, one that's kind of out there that maybe people don't know about or haven't been to is the angry goldfish Oh yeah, Great spot. Um, on the South side. Um, 
those three are up there. And then, of course, you know, all the regulars, you know, you talk about Americana and, oh, man. I mean, even Court Avenue Brew Pub downtown. There's so many good ones, and I think that's what makes Des Moines special. Totally. It's hard to go wrong anywhere you show up. That's Great. awesome. Uh, Chris, what was your first car? First car was a small little Honda Accord. Love it. Yep. Love it. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, when you take vacation, which I would guess is few and far between, <laughs> where do you go? What's your favorite spot for that? Yeah, and it, it's annual. I go to the beach in South Jersey. It's called Sea Isle City. Um, it's not far from Atlantic City as a frame of reference Love on it. South Jersey. So, you know, growing up in Philly, it was really just over the bridge and it's it's an hour drive away from my parents' house in Philly and it's you're right on the Atlantic Ocean and it's just a great place to be. A lot of great restaurants and bars and you have amusement rides and, and great beaches and everything. And I do it every single year of the first week of August. It's your place to get away. It I is. love it. That's yep. awesome. Okay, last question for you. Sure. You're new to Iowa-ish in terms of it being a home, right? Uh, so over that 10-year period, you had to have been influenced by both clones and hawks. Yep. So do you fall on either side of the aisle? You know, I, this is this is a poor answer and it's very diplomatic, but I, honestly, I root for them both. Um, if I had a lean towards one or the other, I'd probably say Cyclones more than Hawkeyes. And the only reason I say that is, is that Ames is a little bit closer. Yep. So when I first moved here, I, I honestly didn't have a dog in the fight, but I did have the opportunity to go to a lot more Iowa State games, right? So I was fortunate enough when Hoiberg was just on the scene yep. as teams were starting to get built. And even Rhodes had a couple good football teams. That being said, though, I root for the Hawkeyes too. And from my Philly roots and Fran McCaffrey, Fran, Fran, oh, yeah, Fran McCaffrey's a Philly guy. His uh his nickname's White Magic, and he was he was an unbelievable basketball player. I mean, obviously he's a little older now, and you maybe not be able to see that, but Fran's a great guy. He, obviously, with his kids playing in so many state tournaments at Wells, I've gotten a chance to know him a little bit. And totally. so I root for the Hawks, and I root for the Cyclones, and I root for you and I. And I, it, it's great seeing Drake emerge and them starting to be more more of a player on the scene and make the tournament. So. I root for them all if I had to give an edge slightly to the Cyclones. Love it. I am just fine with that answer. I think that sounds great. So I'm hoping to see up at Jack Trice at some point this fall because Absolutely. I don't know if you saw the preseason, all this stuff that's coming out, man, but the hype's real. So I, hope it, I hope it happens. It'll be fun. Uh, Chris, let me transition to something I've noticed about you. So like I mentioned, I do this with every guest that I have on the podcast. And, and truly, uh, as I was thinking through, what have I noticed about Chris? I mean, it's a lot of things. There's, sure. a, there's a lot of fun things that I was thinking on. But this was the statement that I wrote. And I just want you to react to it because yep. I mean it. Chris is the most charismatic, confident, transparent, and compelling leader that I've ever met. What do you say to that? Because I think that people that know uh, you would say the same. Wow. That, I mean, that's, that's really nice. I mean, it, certainly I try. And I, I what I would say about that is, especially when you talk about work and you know, even you mentioned when I took you guys on a tour, it's like I'm truly fortunate every single day to look forward to coming to my job. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, who could ask for much more? And I never take it for granted, and especially when COVID hits. It's like yeah. that, that's really a wake up call. But for me, it's like I get to walk in every single day to the Iowa Event Center where we have a tremendous business on the convention center side. Our arena, you know, in normal years is nationally ranked. Um, right in the middle of downtown. I have an incredible leadership staff. I mean, you talk about it. Like, I've been here 10 years. Just about every single one of the guys that's, and women that are on my executive team, a lot of them have been here before me, right? So totally. I have a great team. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that's what makes me so positive. And it, it's easy to, to be like that, right? It's easy to be in a good mood. It's easy to be... Hmm driven um you know and some people every single day they go into their work and they're not motivated or they're just kind of doing it to pass the time and it's way more than that for me and, and I, I think that part makes it easy you know when you see me i am going to be on and I, I we host so many events and i think it's important that that first impression is a big deal and that's not just me that's my staff that's to the point where you pull up and park your car it's parking staff how are they how are my ushers and ticket takers and Man, we have such a great team. So I think on my end, uh, it's easy to be like that. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, I feel fortunate for the business that I'm in and what I'm doing. And a lot of that has to do with my surroundings in terms of who I work for. And the part that I'm actually leaving out is because like Polk County. Polk County owns the facility. Yeah. You got five Polk County Board of Supervisors that care a lot about this place. Some were on the board before it was even built. So mm -hmm. we're instrumental in getting it built. You talk about leadership. 
and foresight and some of the stuff they put in. I mean, you go back years and those people that were around before the Iowa Event Center got built, and you know, this is what I've heard and talked to people, there's a lot of negativity around it. Mm. Would it be a success? Is it too much? Are we out kicking our coverage? Heck no. I mean, look at what we've been able to do. So I think on my end, it's like the people that surround me and this business itself, that's enough that keeps me motivated every single day. So I, I appreciate the kind words, and I try. So yeah, well, I, I think you exemplify those words. It, it's it's cool. Um, it just in having a chance to sit down with you over lunch or, or whatever it was, every, you know, every once in a while. Uh, I, that's just what I take away every time is that whatever it is, that fire has not gone out. I mean, the the fire's still burning, and you're just you're trying to do the next thing that will make a difference, not just for this facility or for your staff or for sure. the people, but but truly, it's to make Des Moines a place that's an attractive spot for events to come in and, and ultimately grow our city. And I think that's really cool. It's fun to know you because of that. I think that's a really uh, a, a sweet thing. I appreciate that. Um, who have you learned from? Have you had a mentor oh throughout? I mean, I'm sure many people, but who who comes to mind right away? Yeah, you know, I, I look back and I, I think I, I start with, again, you know, I wasn't even 21 years old and I started in the business as an intern and then a part-time person. And I've been really, really fortunate um, to work for a lot of the top executives at Spectra in our corporate office in Philly. So it's like, yeah. you know, we run venues across the United States and Canada and other parts of the world. And I've been fortunate enough to work in our headquarters in Philly for the top people that are making the decisions. So for me to be able to reach out and get some help, it's a simple phone call. And it's not talking to a person that I don't have a relationship with. It's, it's my first bosses, like in my career. So guys like Peter Luco, who used to run the company, John Page, who used to be president of the company, those two are big time mentors for me. And I think, you know, the, the biggest lesson that I got from those guys is obviously we're working to generate revenue. Yeah. Is, we are a for-profit business. We're here to make money for the county, but there's, there's, other, there's other responsibilities in that. And it's being a good community partner. And then also too, it's treating people well. It's how you service people. It's not always about money. It's not about cutting corners or cutting expenses. We want to have fun. We want to treat people well. We want we want to entertain. I mean, that's what it is. It's sports. It's it's it, it might be a conference or a convention or a concert or whatever. It is entertainment. People are supposed to come down and feel comfortable. And I feel like I learned that from our executive team. You know, at Spectre through the years. So they're mentors. You know, I, I can even dumb it down to, to when I've come to Des Moines and people that I look up to, Greg Edwards at the Convention yeah. and Visitors Bureau. I mean, you talk about charismatic. I mean, I, I follow him sometimes and give him reports and it's like, I, I just, I throw my hands up. I'm like, one of these years I'm gonna go ahead of him, yep, right? So yep. I don't have to follow his act. But, <laughs> but man, you talk about somebody that's got charisma and that cares and, and, and he's a little older than me and he still has the same energy. Yeah, I'm like, absolutely. It, I've t I think I've mentioned this before. It, it's so, I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody tell Greg no. And really like, <laughs> that's how it goes back to how we got the NCAA basketball yeah. tournament. And I mean that sincerely. So I'd certainly count Greg as a mentor. And then, um, you know, even even the president of your company, Dan Houston, who I, sure. I've gotten to know um, as the honorary chair for NCAA basketball over the years. And not only that, Dan's, you know, they have a suite you know, in the arena. And ever since he jumped on our local organizing team to attract the NCAA basketball here, um, he cares. He cares what's going on. And it's more, he just personally, how are you doing? How's the business going? And it's like, that's how I want to be. So I feel like I've learned from some good people locally. You know, Jay Byers is another leader yeah. for the Greater Des Moines Partnership. I mean, we have so many of them. Scott Sanders at the city. I've already mentioned the county. I can't say enough good things. I mean, all five board of supervisors I listen to and I've learned from over the years, and I, I can't say enough about that. I mean, you're Angela Conley's of the world, Matt Con Matt um, McCoy, Tom Hawkinsmith, Steve Anwar, Bob Brownell. I mean, these people have been around forever. So we, we have a lot of true leaders here locally in Des Moines, and uh, you can't take that for granted. I mean, even totally. when you say, hey, you know, let's grab some lunch, that's what those folks have done for me. Mm -hmm. The door has always been open. And uh, again, that's another thing I would never take for granted. Yeah, well, I really appreciated it. And I can see that you have, uh, you've taken what you've learned from those individuals and you're investing it in others. And I think that's really cool. Uh, one of the funny things, even as, you know, some of the names that I recognize as you're going through that list, Dan Houston, Greg Edwards, uh, there's a common theme and it's a passion for the city, right? And, and seeing this city be successful. Yep. And uh, one, 
we'll get there soon. What I want to hear a little bit more from you sure. on, though, Chris, is um, this city seems to be booming right now. And, and I love it because I'm from Des Moines originally. We moved around a bunch as a kid, but we ultimately ended up back here. So I, I feel like I have skin in the game with how this city does, right? And how it yeah. grows and continues to, to just be a place that people desire to be in. Um, I, I laugh a little because I'm a big Cubs fan and Greg and the and Catch Des Moines have started advertising on the radio for, um, uh, I'm trying to even, 670 to score out of yep. Chicago, right? And sure. so Pat Hughes, my favorite announcer of all time, will just laugh and laugh about the buzzing city of Des Moines, right? And and what's funny is he laughs a little bit, but I think he realizes that it's true because they, they yep. know how um, how Des Moines has grown and, and how it's changed over time. So I'd be curious, can you just speak to, for those those folks, whether they're from Des Moines that are listening or people who are outside of Des Moines and don't, you know, maybe have a, a stereotype of the city, what is your thought on how the city has grown and where it's at today? Yeah, you know, it's amazing. You know, 10 years has passed and I remember first coming here. It's like, you know, I, I truly am in the Midwest now, right? And even for me, not really being familiar with this place really until I came and moved and took the job and all that, it's like it's cornfields and it's it's all ag and, and it's not. Like, you know, we're the capital city here in Des Moines and, and it is a city and it's, I think that's that's the great thing about Des Moines is you got that smaller town feel, but you're still in a city and you still have all those attractions. I mean, you know, I think we got some kind of a recognition for being one of the top five or six cities in the country in terms of minor league sports. Mm. You got the Iowa Cubs that feed right into the Chicago Cubs. You have the Iowa Wolves that feed right into the Minnesota Wolves. Same thing with the Wild, Minnesota Wild. And you got the Barnstormers, of course, with their tradition. I mean, it's amazing. And then you talk about things like Adventureland and um, all the festivals that we have, Arts Fest, and hundreds of thousands of people that are that are coming to that. Um, there's so many cool things to do here. And, and in my world, where it's important, being in the Midwest is great, especially when we're hosting a national convention because we're in the middle of the country. Yep. So we're halfway there for most people and it's easy to get to. And with us continuing to grow as a city, the travel's gotten better with our airport and all the direct flights and even people that can drive in. And once they get here, they're, it, it's unbelievable. Like the bar is kind of low from what I see. People coming in for the first time, they come in and, and it blows them away. Mm. But, but so many things have changed. I mean, you look at it, and again, it goes back to before the Iowa Event Center was even built, and there were some naysayers there. Well, it's been built, and it's been successful, and it's done so well that it really ignited the opportunity to build an attached convention center hotel. Totally. Which only enhances what's going on in the city, and then the restaurants and bars and downtown, and it's that engine that really is creating everything. We have a big concert or convention those people are all staying in the hotels. They're going downtown. They're going out west. They're spending money, you know, in our community, and it's it's really grown. I mean, the, the Hilton's a prime example. You yeah. know, that's that's one area where we would talk to meeting planners from across the country, and the Convention Visitors Bureau is very much involved in this. And we would survey after we would lose business on a bid or be close. And the one resounding thing was we didn't have that attached hotel. Well, the county got involved. The city of Des Moines got involved. We actually got involved with the governor's office in the state and we figured it out how to fund this over 300 room brand new Hilton hotel that's attached and it right away is bringing more business to town. And that's how we stay competitive. That's how we can continue to get NCAA events. So we have that hotel that's connected. Um, so that's, that's a big change, but you know, it's amazing. I, I just, I think for the outsider that doesn't know Des Moines or hasn't been to Des Moines, they get here and they just see how much Des Moines has to offer. Totally, It's almost like every single time that we go after a piece of business, whether it be NCA or a convention or whatever, we always feel like we're punching above our weight. Hmm. I mean, for the size of Des Moines, you know, we're not competing against Cedar Rapids and it's no offense to Cedar Rapids. We're going up against Omaha and Kansas City and Chicago, Minneapolis. Yep. We are far and away the smallest city population-wise compared to the rest, yet we are comparable in what we're attracting to town. And a lot of that has to do with the leaders that all come together. I mean, we go on some of these bid presentations and a lot of these folks are shocked at how well our whole team gets along. When you're talking city, yeah. county, CVB, partnership, facility, everybody gets along and they're, right, they're very well coordinated. And a lot of places are blown away uh, by that when we go visit and we present. 
So I, I just think it's that mentality. We've punched above our weight. We're going for the prize. We've been able to attract it, and we're not going to slow down. And once we get it, we treat them well when they're here. Which is really cool. And, and you know, the, the aspect of that that I think is really unique is you're talking about punching above your weight. And and really, that that heavyweight bout starts to get a little bit easier when people have come and seen no how doubt. great of a place it is. And every time I hear you do an interview, uh, no matter where it's at, you bring that up where you just got to get people here. Yep. Once you get people here, you let them in the door, they see what we have to offer. And it's like, how soon can we come back? No question. And I think a, a pretty good example of that. And if, if we could, I, I think this is a good sure. time to transition to talk about the NCAA tournament. So obviously, um, and as a big college basketball fan myself, one of the coolest things to ever come to Des Moines was in 2016 for the first time when we got the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yep. And since then we've had it another time in 2019. And again, we're locked in for 23. And so in 2016, I know after talking with you many times about this topic, sure. that was a big win. And and that was uh, maybe a little unexpected. Tell us a little bit about what in the world led to that and, and ultimately the experience once it did come here. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it goes back to, and you know, none of us are afraid to talk about it. I mean, we, we put bids in multiple times to get NCAA basketball, men's basketball here to Des Moines, and we were unsuccessful, you know, at least two or three times that I remember being part of. and. You know, it's deflating, right? It's like, I think Greg Edwards has talked about it. It's like, that, that's that's the gold standard. That's something that we want to get. I mean, come on, it's probably the most popular tournament in the world, you know, yeah. uh, NCAA March Madness. So, you know, we've been unsuccessful. And I think as a team led by Greg Edwards, um, you know, we, we actually set up an appointment to go meet with the NCAA in Indianapolis in, at their headquarters. And, uh, you know, we were reminded when we got there that not many cities make house calls to yep. Indy, but <laughs> but they did it for Greg because yep. they don't tell Greg no. But in all seriousness, we, we were able to sit down and meet with members of the basketball committee. And we started off pretty bluntly by saying, hey, do we even have a chance? You know, do we have a chance of getting this thing? And, you know, we had some really productive meetings over a couple of days. And it wasn't just basketball. There were other NCAA events involved, but specifically basketball we left there knowing it's like, no, nah, you know, we do have a chance of this and we believed it in it. And we just had to change our structure a little bit and without getting into too many details, really at the end of the day, um, one of the smartest things we did between myself, Greg Edwards and Angela Conley with Polk County, we made a visit to go see Suku Radia, um, ex head chief of Bankers Trust, who's still very active in just about every board here locally. For sure. But uh, Suku's a wise man, and um, we sat and talked with him for about an hour, and he listened to us, and without much of a hesitation, he's like, you need more power behind your bid. And that's when he introduced the idea of getting an honorary chair. Um, one of our local CEOs, who's a true leader, has some kind of a tie to the bid. Hmm. Dan being Iowa State, at that point, Iowa State was the host institution. <clears throat> so we approached Dan Houston, and we did. We got Dan involved. and. We went about our bid a little bit different way where we had Dan really recruit the top corporations here locally to support us financially. Yep. And that helped us put together a more aggressive bid. And I think at the end of the day, that conversation with Suku probably pushed us over the edge. Greg, number one, getting us to Indy, sure, getting us yeah. in the door, getting that feedback, and then talking to Suku getting some words of wisdom, getting Dan part of the team. And Dan's another one. Dan, If Dan sets out to do something, he's usually going to get it done, yep. which is great. <laughs> yes. You know, So it was nice to have that, that power behind us. But that finally pushed the door open, and we were successful, and we got the bid. So that's a start, right? Totally. You know, And I think from there, it's like, okay, well, we got the bid. Literally, you had 18 months of planning, and it's a huge event. And it's everything from streets and traffic to parking to shuttles to entertainment. Not required for first and second round men's basketball, but we did it anyway. We hosted a fan fest in Hy-Vee Hall. Just yep. one more thing that we threw on. Because in our mind, it's like this is an audition to do this thing right. So we wow them and we get it back. And, uh, man, I... And, you know, we talked about this earlier. We had such a great draw. Absolutely. We really did. It was amazing, the draw that we got. But even before that, as part of the pre-sale, the entire tournament was almost sold out here in Des Moines before we even got to the public on sale. So it didn't matter who was playing here. It was happening. Yeah. The demand was there. We rolled out the red carpet as a team between CVB, the city, the county, the venue. Partnership was involved. 
Um, we felt like we put on a great tournament. And when all was said and done after we hosted it, we felt like we were in play to get it again. And that's that's where we are today, hosted again in 2019 and future host again in 2023. Totally, which is really cool. And, and Chris, I, um, I remember that well. I went to the practice round and was just in awe, just thinking, oh my word. And I remember exactly who you're talking about, Jim Nance, Rafferty, everybody that's out Amazing. on the court. I remember that moment. I remember uh, Calipari coming out for practice, all these coaches that are Hall of Famers and Blue Blood programs and just thinking, this is in Des Moines, Iowa. This Amazing. is really cool. But, uh, you know, so by all means, super successful. But you took a lot of heat after day one. And and I, I remember this well. And yep. we've talked about this before because going back to something I've noticed about you, one of the words I had in there was transparent and confident. And I will never forget a radio interview that you did on KXNO where Travis Justice just straight up asked. He said, all right. The register went at you a little bit and yep. maybe asked some questions as to why the concessions didn't go so well. And there were some complaints about yep. that. And you took that question. You didn't take it personally. You didn't you, you didn't get tripped up by it. You head on first acknowledged it. And then you said exactly what you're going to do to fix it. So you tell just give us kind of the, the run through yeah. of how that worked. Yeah, I think that's important, too. I, I will tell you this, that. Once we got selected, you're selected about two years out at minimum from when you're going to host. So future hosts have the opportunity to go see the tournament the year before you're going to be the host. So our local organizing committee had an opportunity to go to Omaha to see the first and second rounds in 2015. So a year before we hosted. And, you know, we, we had our whole team there, food and beverage and premium and box office and just everybody that needed to be there. And you know, one of the things that we were looking at is is that, you know, Wells Fargo Arena was built for a capacity of 16,000 and change. Well, when we hosted NCAA basketball in 2016, another one of the things that made our bid more successful is we got creative and we were able to put in portable seating. And hmm. some of our open areas on the concourse, we put risers in. We had bar stools going around the 200 level, and we put in a lot of portable seating that got us to a capacity of around 17,200. Building wasn't built for that. No. Bathrooms, concessions, and that's not an excuse. That's nope. that's where we got to, and uh, we saw it in Omaha. In Omaha, there were long lines for concessions, and you know how it works. It's like that first day of the first round, you have four college basketball games, almost back to back to back to back, right? And you're opening doors first thing in the morning, and you literally, and it's on a weekday, okay? Yeah, yeah. So you're relying on part-time staff to work 16 or 17 hours, you know? And we saw it in Omaha, and they had lines, and they, they'd been a host before, and they've done a great job. I mean, I, I got a lot of respect Absolutely. for the business they run over there. It's very good. But um, until you get in it, which, which we found out on the first day of the tournament, you know, we were doing pretty good. We got through that first game. And after that first game, it was right around lunchtime for a lot of people. We were actually the first tip, first game to tip in the entire country in 2016. I remember that. So, you know, once that first game ended, it was lunchtime. People were hungry. And I don't know if it was 17,000 people converging at once, but I'll tell you what, it was over 10,000, yeah. right, that are looking to eat and drink. And, you know, we got taught a lesson. We looked at what was going on. Um, Labor-wise, we probably didn't have the amount of people that we should should have had. And that was kind of on us. And then, you know, the other thing too is, is that when we host a country concert, we have 15 or 16,000 people in, George Strait and around 16,000. Well, it's easy to serve beer fast. Well, back in 2016, that was pre us being allowed to serve alcohol. Yep. So we had a lot of these portable stands that are just specifically designed to push alcohol out and all that kind of stuff. So. At the end of the day, we weren't very good on that first day at the concession stands. We learned a lot. Instead of being beat or just waving the white flag or just being like, we'll be better next time around, it's like, no, most of our core team stayed around way after the last game ended. <laughs> and we really came up with a plan to add more staff and add more labor, spread things out a little bit more, and uh, just be a little more strategic based on what we saw on the first day. And uh, I can tell you, we were way, way better on the second day on the Saturday. So definitely not our finest moment. Some people were frustrated. Any complaints that came in, we talked to them. And I think most people attended both sessions would agree that it was much, much better. Yep. So I think at the end of the day, as much as you want to be perfect, just like in life, you're not going to be. And we weren't great that first day. 
we learned a lot and I think we improved even for that next day. And then, holy smokes, you talk about 2019 and just learning things and some of the stuff that we got into, you know, our, our food and beverage director here, Derek Hickey, who used to run food and beverage down at uh, Principal Park for the Iowa Cubs. He was not part of the team in 16, came along afterward. And some of the ideas that he came up with, working with partners like Hy-Vee to come in and do specific grab and go stations. Yeah where people just want to eat, get in and out of line quickly. Um, we work with Atlantic Bottling and Coca-Cola, and we had vending machines scattered throughout the main concourse and upstairs. So if you simply wanted a water or a pop or something like that, you can get it right out of the machine and go. Totally. So we were just way more strategic with how we've done things. So I think not great day one in 2016, much, much better day two. And when we got to 2019, kind of had it figured out. Absolutely. So sometimes you just learn, you know? It's so cool. And and here's what I take away from that story, right? Good leaders are the ones that see something going wrong, they address it, they're transparent about it, and they make an effective change. And I, I remember, I was at day two at, at that first year in 2016. Yep. And I remember having had heard that radio interview, I, I, it was the day between, I would say, because you went on that next morning on KXNO. Then being in attendance the next day, you didn't even realize that there would have been problems at any point. And so it, I, I just think that that really stands out as something that I remember about you and, and conversations that you've had about that. So cool stuff, looking forward to 2023. Hopefully no we're doubt. well past everything that's been going on in the last year and we can have a, a, a total celebration of that again, because I think it truly does highlight the city and, and all the people that put a lot of hard work into that. Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about the building and COVID. Sure. Uh, but the first question that I have about, you know, I, I think, the Iowa Events Center is a is a term that reflects the whole property, right? Yep. Um, but I think a lot of people, myself included, and I told you this earlier, I get tripped up sometimes and just think of the arena itself sure. because that's usually where I go to events. Yep. And I had some questions on the arena. Um, so started, I believe the first event was mid-summer 2005. Um, the date that I have is July 14, 2005. And my buddy, who I told you I was talking to before today, sure. He said, you gotta ask Chris about Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Huck Jam, <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious, Chris, because I didn't know there was such a thing. But the Boom Boom Huck Jam was the first event here. It was, yeah, it was the first event and, and well before my time, you know, I, it's well before my time, but I laugh because it comes up so often where people try and guess that first event and they're wrong. They think it's a concert, they think it's something else, but it was Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Huck Jam. Tony Hawk at the time was so huge. So and cool. like it was a cool event. Um, but I'll tell you, that that's an easy one to win a bar bet off of because not a lot of people know. And even some of the people that work here, they don't remember. That's but, awesome. But yeah, it's true. I love it. Well, I thought that was cool. And of course, yep. I looked it up and saw on the Twitter account for the Iowa Events Center that just recently they talked about uh, an anniversary or something of that. But with that said, so looking yep. all the way back to the first event in 2005, what has changed about the arena specifically since then? Because I know it's been a lot. Yeah, there's so many things. You know, I'd start with... Um, Geez, just even our our advertising sales department and some of the deals they've cut with our longtime sponsors. Like, I'll give you some simple examples. Like, you walk the main concourse now at Wells Fargo Arena, and you will see a Budweiser bar, a Bud Light bar, Coors Light Lounge, and um, what well, you have. God, there's there's more than that. Goose Island Bar. Yep. There are all spaces that were dead spaces are not being used for anything. And now they're points of sale. Um, you go up to the suite level in the Willis Lounge along with Kettle One. That didn't exist. Yep. That was like a guest service desk. And now it's like we learned it's like that's the midway point on the suite level. And that's where people would congregate during shows. And we didn't really have anything to offer. So we partnered with Willis, you know, Auto Campus and Kettle One. And we built this nice lounge. You go to any professional arena and it's like they have that. Yeah, so, totally. so I think it's the points of sale and the creativity and the good partners we've had. I mean, it's it, the concourse doesn't look anything like it looked when we first opened, which is amazing. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. And then um, you just talk about some of the capital improvements and this this actually ties into the NCAAs. I mean, our, our scoreboard. Yeah. You know, that. we got the scoreboard that's up now um, before we hosted in 2016. It was actually one of the enhancements that we listed as part of our bid because we got approval on it and we were working with Dactronics on getting it in. But, you know, and this isn't a cut on anybody or anything, but like the score, the old scoreboard, the original scoreboard was not LED. 
you know, and it, it's a, the video was not great. Yep. And it's it's small things like that, though, that probably hampered our bid. And, you know, that's where I give a lot of credit to the leadership of the county and the supervisors because they knew we had to enhance some things to compete with an Omaha. Yep. And then, again, we had to do that. So, and the scoreboard's still amazing, like now. I mean, it's awesome. like for anybody that can think back to the original scoreboard and you compare the two, it's non comparable, okay? Um, LED sport lighting, um, enhanced Wi Fi. Um, we just did a suite renovation project where every single one of the suites got renovated. Cool. Again, you're getting, you open in 2005, 15 years old. So some of those things were needed and some of those things were crucial in us being able to stay competitive and land some of these big bids with the NCA. Um, and it, it looks like, I mean, you walk into the building and there's no way you would think it's as old as it is. No. And that's great. I mean, and that's the idea behind it and it, continuing to add and upgrade and, and really maintain. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember the video board, Chris, because uh, when I was in high school, our Des Moines Christian School, where I graduated from, was in the state tournament for basketball. And yeah. I remember coming down here, and it was one of the first events I can remember coming down here because we had just moved to Des Moines. And uh, I, I remember going in and thinking, that's kind of blurry. Like, it doesn't look, you know, that's it's, it's kind of hard to read the stats on that. And then I remember coming in several years ago when that was put in. I, I, it was right before the tournament, if I remember right. And it just was. being blown away by the environment change that that created, right? It, it felt big time. It was a big deal. There's no doubt. And I mean, you, you take a look at the NCA. What's important to them? It's TV. And like with an old, outdated video board, it's not great. It just doesn't go hand in hand with the level that the NCA basketball is on. But, you know, even something as simple as like LED sport lights, like people can just be like, oh, well, that's a nice thing to have. Well, not only is it great for energy conservation, just saving dollars, right? Totally. And just being more efficient. But, and it's it's hard to admit this or go back to this, but when we hosted the NCAA wrestling championships, the championships, this isn't first and second round, they were the championships back in 2013. We still had those old metal halide lights up and there was a problem. There was an energy issue spike outside that knocked the lights out. Well, what's different with those old metal halide lights, it takes 10 to 15 minutes for them to cool down and come back on. And this happened while wrestling was going on. Thank God for the other ambient light and scoreboard lighting and stuff that stayed on, but, and wrestling, right? Like basketball, you wouldn't be able to continue. Those guys didn't miss a beat, but man, that could have been really embarrassing. And with there's an issue like that with LEDs. It comes back instantaneously. Absolutely. So that's huge. I mean, yep. it's huge for comfort and then, again, savings and just being efficient inside the building. And to your point, too, lighting for a TV audience, uh, my understanding is that that changes that experience dramatically. No that's question. why they just did it up at Hilton uh, a couple years back, too. Yeah, and you guys take a look at it. What, what you see on TV, it's almost like that theater lighting, right? Yes. Like the lights, it's like a spotlight on the playing surface everywhere else is kind of dark and that's cool that's a good way to watch it. it and that's that's the level that we got to once we put in those new led lights absolutely so let's wrap up with this this is the the hot button issue that every time i mentioned to someone that i was going to interview you and ask them what, what what do you want to hear they said how in the world has chris done his job found success and even what is the rebound plan after a global pandemic that big events aren't happening chris you know that better than anybody um, so I, I'd just be curious, your experience and then your outlook going forward on big events in your building. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anyone would agree that whoever could foresee something like this happening and for the duration of time that, it, that it's lasted would, would be crazy. I mean, I, I don't know. So it, it's been difficult and it's been difficult on a lot of levels. I mean, you know, I talk about the team that we have here, employees that have been with us a long time. You know, to, to get through this time period, because there was a period of time where we really weren't hosting any events. We were in a down period where we were just kind of on hold and waiting. You know, we've had some employees go through layoffs and we've had a furlough and we've had to do some difficult things. Thank goodness we've been one of the few states that's really remained open. And, you know, we shut down probably from mid-March last year until maybe middle of June. Um, and then we got active again in June. and. We started getting events coming back like um, Nike basketball, AAU club basketball that normally goes to Chicago and McCormick Place. They couldn't go there last year because of the pandemic, but they could come to Des Moines. Yeah. And we were able to capitalize. So again, you know, as you as you mentioned, not your top tier concerts or large conventions, but we started small and we were kind of learning and um, got a lot of great direction from our corporate headquarters on really what we needed to do to be able to survive this thing and be safe. Um, 
So it's, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get to this point. But I will tell you this, that, you know, we are coming out of it. We're starting to come back. We've been one of the few buildings to be able to host national tours and, and, and numerous tours. I mean, we've had professional bull riding televised in Des Moines way back in September. Yep. You know, and they came here. They were due, they were due and scheduled to play on the East Coast, and they came to Iowa because we were open. So we were one of the first to actually have a touring show come through. So they're here in September. We have our normal Disney on ice, but because of social distancing and spreading people out, we work with the promoter. Instead of just playing that Thanksgiving week, they stayed in town for two weeks. So we had to do double the amount of shows to get the people in, but that happened. And then we had Des Moines Buccaneers hockey start playing. And then we got into, you know, we have Monster Jam coming up this week. We have the rodeo coming in. We've had Iowa Wild Hockey. Um, On the convention center side, we've had Home and Garden. We've had your Deer Classic. Um, power farming, the third largest indoor power farm show in the country happened. So we're starting to come back. It's not the same business that we've had before, yeah. but I think now that the vaccines you know, are in the mix and I think comparatively speaking, I think we're doing pretty well in the state of Iowa. We're starting to see some of the light at the end of the tunnel and um, we're starting to bring some staff back, which is great. That's and some great. of the staff that had been off for a while and we can see that continuing to trend that way. And I think the hope is, and you know, we all saw and were kind of pleasantly surprised. It's like the Iowa State Fair, they're planning on moving forward. And they booked all their grandstand acts just like normal to play in front of a full house. Yep. You know, and that's early to mid-August and that's a great sign because they're, they're moving forward. And we expect to follow suit. I mean, we, we hope to have our Joe Rogan show here in early August and that's the plan. And and Alan Jackson, who's already scheduled in September, along with Buble. So I think the outlook's bright. Uh, it's perfect timing to be having this conversation as I'm going through my budget for yeah, next year. Absolutely. <laughs> trying to trying to, you know, look through his crystal ball. But um, no, I, I think I think the future's bright. And what I can tell you is, and this is a great success story, with, with Monster Jam coming up this weekend. We normally do three shows over the course of a Friday night and then two on Saturday. Well, again, because of social distancing and spacing people out, we're doing five shows this weekend. And right now we're on a pace to do about $100,000 in gross ticket sales better than the last time we hosted it at full capacity in 2019. Now that's interesting. It is. And what that tells you is that, that people are looking for entertainment. Yeah. There's pent up demand there. And I can tell you on my end is, you know, I'm the one, the main booker of the arena in terms of live entertainment. The promoters are back, the artists are back, and where I see it getting really busy is early 2022 and and on. And I think it's gonna get to a point, and I I hope I'm right about this, that our problem is is finding open dates for everybody who wants to play because it's been so long and everybody's been off. But the future's bright and you know we've had, I mean, I can't say enough good things about our staff. In about a day or two's notice, we had to close our office, like a lot of others. Yeah, sure. really work remotely while still operating a facility you know you still it just doesn't you can't just shut it down shut the doors down we still had ice in the building that had to come out and you know so we had a lot of people wearing a lot of different hats pushing us through those tough times and then you know slowly but surely events started to come back online to the point now where it's not exactly normal but we've been able to operate we have our hockey we have monster jam we have rodeo um, you have your deer classic and people are excited and I don't know. I, I think I think just looking forward, I, the future looks bright. We're getting to a point where we're going to be a lot safer and, and closer to normal. But yeah. but it was tough. It, it was a tough run there. But it, it's really the people that get you by, and we just have a great staff here. Really cool stuff, Chris. And I man, I I kind of I almost get a little bit of the chills hearing you say that about the pent up demand because you start to think about how how far from being the case that has been over the last year i mean we're coming up on well over a year now right so to think about the people that want to get out and they want to see the things that they love they, that that's the fun stuff in life right you look forward to those events the things that you buy those tickets for and to not do that for well over a year is is pretty tough for people and i i have no doubt in my mind that my wife and i were at wrigley field for the first time a couple of weeks ago 25 percent capacity got to wear your mask go in a certain gate totally different experience i've been to wrigley a million times yep it was the best thing ever to yeah. walk in that place my favorite place in the world and i have no doubt that there are going to be a lot of people feeling the same way about getting in here for for big time events totally agree and, and we're excited about it and i think the hardest thing is there for a while when you're not operating you just don't know 
now I would say, you know, ever since we hit the new year, it's been a gradual progression, more and more coming in. I mean, look, there was a time there before the holidays hit, Christmas holidays hit, where we didn't know if we'd be able to host the state tournaments like wrestling and girls basketball and boys basketball with fans. Yeah. We were putting plans in place to host these events without fans coming in. So just the gradual progression has been super encouraging and the support that we've gotten and just people that come and they follow what we're asking them to do. We're just trying to keep people safe with wearing masks and distancing and creating more space. But I'll tell you, I mean, to, to be where we are for a show like Monster Jam, it shows that people want to get back to normal. Yeah. Um, as, as the vaccines continue to roll out, people are feeling more and more comfortable. And I think it's just going to keep getting better and better as we move through the summer. But, you know, again, I, and I use this word a million times, I feel fortunate because I, I feel like we're getting through and we're getting a lot of our good people back. Some of the people that have been off, the people that have been with me the whole time, again, wearing multiple hats just to make it happen. We have such a good staff, and that's not even full-time. It's like your part-timers, the people you see out in the parking lot, yeah. person that takes your ticket every time you come in, the south stairs by the box office. They're all the same people, and they, they couldn't be happier to be back working because that's what we do. You Absolutely. Know? We're here to entertain people, but I do see the future as being really bright, and I just think it's going to keep climbing. You know. Absolutely. Good stuff, Chris. Well, hey, I so appreciate your time. This has been wonderful just to have this conversation. I feel like I've had a chance to do it with you a couple of times, but to even hear some of your stories and things behind the scenes, really cool stuff um, and excited for what the future will bring with, with just events and, and this place livening back up and having some, some traffic again. It'll be nice. No doubt about it. Did we miss anything? No, I think, <laughs> we, I think we, I think we covered just about enough, but no, it was great. I, listen, Elliot, I appreciate the opportunity and you know, when I, anytime I have an opportunity to talk about some of the stuff we're doing now at the Iowa Event Center, I mean, it's cool, right? Like, totally. it, it, it's all stuff that you can get behind, and it's encouraging. And I think, you know, anybody that might be listening to this, I mean, hopefully they're encouraged by it. Like, we want to let people know there's events out there. We're still doing it in a safe way, but it's fun, and it's getting closer to normal. And uh, it, it's a great way for me to talk about it because there's still a, a good group of people that just maybe aren't ready to come out yet or aren't comfortable or maybe just don't even know what's out there so appreciate the opportunity it's always good to chat with you absolutely you as well chris thanks for your time i appreciate it thanks everybody for tuning in we'll be back with some more episodes soon but i hope you enjoy this one thanks so much